good afternoon. Welcome to Voice for Restoration podcast. Lewis here with you. And if you would do me a favor, if you would hit the, before we even get going, just go ahead and hit uh, subscribe to the channel. Turn on your notifications. A little bell icon there will really help us to build this channel. Hope you're enjoying this video. There's a bunch of ways below that you can listen to the podcast and get it early. Podcast usually comes out a couple of days before I put it on YouTube. And you can have that, uh, you know, thing. Plus, um, you can have it right on your device really quick. So, uh, I want to continue a thought that I started in the um, in my uh, message yesterday, where I was um, kind of talking about Josiah and um, some of the things in Josiah's life, how he got a prophetic word, and how he began to walk out that prophetic word. And I, and I want to go into another aspect of this because Josiah rebuilds the temple. And I, I had this thought right at the end of the meeting from the Holy Spirit yesterday. It was just too late in the meeting to kind of go off into that route. And I'm going to do it here for you now. It's in, found in 2 um, uh, Kings 22. We're going to just look at some text of Josiah. And, you know, what's, what you have to understand is there's going to be times in your life. And I was, what I was teaching on yesterday was passion. you got to have passion for what God's called you to do. For air traffic control, you know, I, I felt a, um, I, I wasn't a Christian when I became one, but I certainly felt like it was what I was supposed to do. I wouldn't say I felt God told me to do it, um, but I felt like it was what I was supposed to do. And you know what? I gave, you know, there was a bunch of students. There was, <clears throat> you know, in the Navy and in the FAA, I had a bunch of students with me. And I kept on finishing top in my class because to me, it wasn't just past the classes. I wanted to be the best. I wanted excellence. I wanted to, um, I wanted to really excel at what I did. And you have to, you know, and that deals with passion because, you know, you can never be excellent in anything you have no passion for. And excellence is the kingdom, not perfection. Perfectional, perfectionists um, are always looking for flaws. But excellence is you're always looking for greatness. You're always looking to give your best effort. And you understand that, hey, today I'm where I'm at, but I'm going to try to even be better tomorrow. And you're not beating yourself up when you're not having arrived yet. You're in a process and you understand that. But you want to give God your very best. And that's excellence. So for me, and as an air traffic controller was, when everyone else went out to drink, I was in the room studying. You know, whether I was in the Navy, I went through two courses in the Navy. I went through basic air traffic control and then carrier air traffic control, which the carrier traffic control course, I had uh, E4s, E5s, E6s, E7s in that class. Controllers for 15 years, never been on a carrier. They were learning it. And I finished first in my class, which really ticked off some of the instructors that this E3 was just blown away the course. But the reason was I studied. I worked on it. It was passion to me. I wanted to be the best at what God uh, or what I was to do. I felt like if you're paying me to be an air traffic controller, it would probably behoove me to be the best at it. The same thing when I became an air traffic controller. I went out to Oklahoma City and, and um, you know, there was, uh, you know, shoot, uh, in our class, there was probably 25, 30, I don't know, 25 students, 30 students. And I wanted to be first in class and I finished first in my class. And um, I, I, I would, I, I just, they went out party. They all wanted to go out and drink. You know what I did? I was in my room studying every night. Every night I would go home and I'd study what we were doing, what we had to learn. 
and I was committing it to my memory and I was and I, I so I wouldn't have to uh, try to remember it the next day. It was like there and I was working really hard at it. And because I was passionate about it, look, they were gonna. It was a job at the time that was looking like it was gonna give me, uh, pay me fifty-six thousand dollars a year. Well, that's a pretty good chunk of pay in nineteen ninety. You know what? It ended up being one hundred forty-five thousand plus a year. By the time I re uh, I left in '06, that was a big income to walk away from. Trust me, that's twelve thousand dollars a month I walked away from for you know to the Lord. So guess what I want to do with the Lord? I want to be excellent. I wanted when I got saved in 1989, I wanted to know the Word. It was passion. And I'm going to tell you that there are times where the enemy is always going to want to wane your passion. And this isn't seen in the sower of the seed, uh, Mark chapter four, Matthew chapter ten. So seed, you know, the Word is it, it's sown onto. Uh, hard soil or stony ground of sidewalk and the birds of the air coming immediately Satan comes immediately and snatches that up before you even walk out of the meeting you have doubt and unbelief and then the next one it's like you, you don't have a lot of depth to the roots and persecution for the very thing that you you know if you say look at when i said i was going to be i wanted to be the best that brings persecution. When you say you want to be excellent, that brings persecution. When you sit there and say you're the call of the Lord, that brings persecution. And some people back off that passion. I remember uh, being just on fire for God and had people tell me, you need to tone it down. I had one person tell me, you know, there's so much godly authority in your life, you need to tone it down. You know, and because jealousy, envy, strife, all those things, they're jealous of it, they're envious of it. And and so uh, that is something that I've, I've faced for 30 years. People always trying to tell me, you know, you want, can you not be on fire for God? Because, you know, for crying out loud, you know, you're making us look bad, kind of, you know. And and then we get into, um, you know, the, your, then you get into the next third soil is that you start out with excellence. But you know what? You want money versus excellence. You, the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. Guess what? Um, I'm married. I got three kids. I got a house and the cares of the world. And now all of a sudden you're sitting there going, wow, I, I have so many things to do. I can't give myself to studying, to praying, to, and you, and you have to fight those things. And, and I've watched people who, I've watched people who are on fire as single people. And as soon as they get married, they ain't on fire anymore. You know why? They're on fire until they get in love with somebody. And once they fall in love with somebody, Jesus takes a back seat. Because now everything's about, I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. And Jesus actually takes a back seat to all of it. It, it is something that I've watched over and over again. And by the way, um, my wife doesn't take a back seat to Jesus. Um, she she is my partner. She's my friend and my best friend. Um She's my lover and all those things, but Jesus is Lord and Savior. And she knows very well, like my wife knows very well, it was Jesus that saved my life because I was a, a pretty good heathen. And she grew up a preacher's kid. And, and you know, the cares of the world can get you like, you know, you have to learn how to um, have passion and maintain it. It's something you have to do. Well, you know, I, I don't think people really read the Old Testament um, enough and understand the depth of... Um, um, rebellion of Israel. It wasn't that they just broke the covenant, folks. I mean, rebellion, the, Israel was not just breaking the covenant. They were worshiping false gods and they were inviting 
the artifacts of false gods and bringing it into God's temple and worshiping their false gods in God's temple. And then they began to sacrifice their children to these false gods, okay? So I don't think we really understand the depths of this. And Manasseh is one of the worst ones. And here comes Josiah. Now, Josiah is prophesied about in 1 First Kings 13, the prophet, the unnamed prophet comes through town. God tells him, go in one way, go out another. Do not talk to anyone. Stop along the way. He goes in. He has this amazing word. It all comes to pass. He's walking out. Another prophet lies to him and says an angel came to him and uh, told him that he was supposed to have dinner with him. He does. He gets eaten by a lion, gets killed. All right. Crux of the story. So now it's years later uh, and Josiah is born. He's eight years old. He becomes king. And now he's 26, and they're starting to rebuild the temple of God. You know, I want to talk about this on a personal level. I want to talk about this on what happens when your passion's gone. What do you do to get that passion back? How do you go back to the place? Remember when you got saved? Maybe I, I remember, you know, and I that's why I always try to keep that. I remember my hunger for the Word, my hunger for God, my hunger for prayer, and, you know, there are times, by the way, that I am, like, I can't do everything I used to do. I have now three kids. You know, I can't, I don't have the, you know, sometimes I don't have the resources to do what I used to do. Just to fly all over the place when it was just Kathy and I. And that's okay. I have no regrets about that. But that means I had to learn how to maintain my passion differently than I did before. And it's really important that you learn how to do that. That you, um, you discover that in you so that you can learn how to really do that. And, and Josiah is now going to begin to rebuild God's house. And he's given monies to it. They've collected money. He's ordering that. I'm going to go uh, a little farther down. Uh, I read yesterday. Now you can read this. is first uh, Second uh, Kings chapter 22. When he begins, he becomes king. And he is now going to begin to rebuild his the temple of God. And uh, we're just going to go down to verse um, uh, 11. What happens now is they find the book of the law, which the, the all of Israel has forsaken. It is now buried in the rubble of the temple. Think about this. It's the book of the law of God. The king has never seen it. It hasn't been referenced in four centuries or four, four generations. And here comes Josiah. And when they read the book, it says, Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. That is a tender heart. That is someone who, when he heard that, you know, what he heard in the law was, You, you Israel, are not doing anything according to the law. Not only that, uh, he also saw in Leviticus, when they read this to him, Leviticus warned them. That this is what's going to happen to you if you forsake God and go after other gods. You're going to be kicked off the land. You're going to be in ruins and all this stuff. Leviticus 26 goes through all these things if they go after false gods. Okay. Then the king commanded Hekiah the priest, Ekihahikam, the son of Shaphan, uh, Akbar, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, and Asiah, a servant of the king saying, go inquire of the Lord for me. For the people are for all for the people in all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. 
to do according to all that is written concerning us. I, I love his heart. Now, you remember, um, Josiah, uh, even though he's a descendant of David, he does not, um, <clears throat> he does not, he didn't have David modeling in front of him. David would most likely, not only have the priest do it, David would probably also put on the ephod and go and inquire of the Lord himself. And he goes to the prophet and she says to him, now I love this because it's Huldai, the prophetess. You know, let me just tell you something. For those who don't believe women can be prophets and apostles, here's a prophetess in the Old Testament. 2 Kings 22, 14. So, uh, you know, let's stop thinking that uh, Paul was saying women shouldn't preach. You really need to listen to Chris Valentin. There's a lot of study on this. I've been ordaining women for 20 years. I'm tired of having that discussion. All right. It says that she said to them, verse 15, Thus says the Lord Governors, tell the man who uh, sent you to me, thus says the Lord. I, I love this because she says, thus says the Lord God. Now listen, she's not saying sent to me. She's saying, this is the Lord saying, tell Josiah, the man who sent you to me, God, to inquire of me. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and its inhabitants and all the works of the words of the book which the king Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burnt incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all their works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be aroused against this place, and it shall not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard, because you have a heart, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself, before the Lord, when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they might become a desolation and a curse. I love this because, you know, we're talking about, okay, we've been in ruins for a while. Let's say you got off track and, um, you you know, you're still, you're still a believer, but you realize the fire isn't there. The first thing to do is repent and humble yourself before God because you know something's off. You might not know the solution yet, but if you don't at least acknowledge there's a problem you ignore the problem and god is not obligated to uh make you aware of the problem if you're not praying like he doesn't he's not obligated i, I think it was larry randolph said god's not obligated to fulfill your destiny your destiny is fulfilled when you heed his voice his commands his judgments his statutes his laws and all those things okay and so, um, what is one of the things that Josiah does? He restores true worship. See, begin to rebuild your temple. What's your temple for, for worship? So, I'm going to give you a couple of things in this podcast just to talk about how to rebuild the temple. First, begin to worship God again. Repent. But don't, you don't have to repent for 12 hours unless you feel you need to. But I'm not, and I'm not talking confess. I believe you should confess your sins. But confession cleanses you. Repentance changes you. Okay? Repentance means I'm going to take a different course than I was on. I'm going to turn around. I'm, not, I'm no longer going to walk the same way. So you got to create new habits in your life. Okay? You might have to say, Lord, I, I, I repent and I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to start reading the Bible again. I'm going to begin. And by the way, you, you, this is what I would pray. Lord, forgive me. Give me a tender heart for your word. 
give me a give me the heart like Josiah that when he heard the words of the Lord his heart he tore his clothes his heart was tender God said he humbled himself before and you got to humble yourself and go Lord I I you know see what we try to lean on is God loves me we try to lean on that okay that's never in question to me you know that's never a question I'm not concerned whether or not God loves me because I know he does. He sent his son. The question God's going to ask me is, do you love me? What he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter, you just denied me. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my ship. In other words, get back to what I called you to, Peter. See, if you keep my commandments, it's he who loves me. John chapter 14. See, we, we still try to make it like we could just say we love you and not obey him. So you got to get back to obedience. You got to get back. So begin to sit there and go, God, I'm going to, I'm going to, and you got to start setting the habits. You got to, you got to consider when you consider it this, when you, number one, you decide to start reading the Bible again, consider it as you're cleaning up your soul. I'm going to, now I'm going to work on my soul. Guess what else you have to do? You have to stop doing anything that you know is sinful. So like if you're in sexual immorality, if you're stealing, steal no more. If you're uh, in sexual immorality, stop it, right? Uh, if you're looking at something you shouldn't look at, stop it, okay? Stop it and and begin to repair the temple, okay? You know, I, I've seen things I shouldn't see. You know what I got? I, I had to do? I repent. I we're kind of careful around our house now of like everything for the last 20 years of what we watch, what we like, what movies we'll watch or some movies that, you know, I, I watched that were really good when I was a heathen, but I realized as a Christian, I can't watch it because there's a naked scene in that. So like what I try to do is watch those on regular TV or something like that, where it cuts those things out, you know, cause I can't show them. And, um, and I, I try to do that because I don't watch, you know, certain movies that even though I watched them as a heathen, I can't watch them anymore because I don't want that before my eyes. Because I've seen things. Look, and one thing that I could tell you is that uh, nakedness is something that you remember. Now, I'm going to tell you how to clean that up, and that is the Word of God. That when you feed yourself on the Word of God, your, your soul is restored. It begins to be restored in you. And that's really vital for what we're talking about here. And so also, it says in 2 Corinthians 7, cleanse your, because of these promises, cleanse yourself, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. So we're going to cleanse ourselves from filthiness and sin, which means I'm not going to do those things anymore. All right. Now I'm starting to repair my, my temple. I'm starting to get my temple restored. All right. How long does that take? <clears throat> not that long. How long does it take? I don't know. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to pray five minutes a day, it's probably not going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. At least a couple times a week, you need to pray at least one hour. Okay. Yeah. At least one hour, a couple times a week. You sometimes days, you just don't have that, that freedom. Maybe I was working, you know, I had to be at work at six 30 in the morning or sometimes six in the morning, which means I got up at four. I, it was like, okay, I'm not going to get up at three, you know, cause I went to bed at 11, you know, it, it's, it's some of my schedules were tough. So I had to, work around it. I had to realize that day in the morning, now I had a four, the great thing is I had a 50, 40, 50 minute ride into work so I could pray in tongues and talk to the Lord all the time, but it wasn't the same as me sitting at the table or in my chair and reading the word and all that, but it was effective. I just, I just learned how to steal time by, um, you know, uh, if I was in line, I'd read, if I had to drive, I'd pray. 
you know, stuff like that. And just constantly do that. And you begin to create habits that actually are helping to restore your temple. Okay. And, and prayer, the word, the worship. And I'm going to give you another one. And this is a key one I keep talking about because it's in my spirit. And that is honor. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we have lost in the church in the last 10 years I've seen is we don't have the honor for the men and women of God that we should. We, we actually feel that it's okay to be harshly critical to other ministers. And that's not God. <laughs> that's not God. And it's going to have a price. It's going to have a price. And you're always going to have your favorite guys, but I'm, I'm just telling you, like, being critical, like, it doesn't take, um, um, it doesn't take a genius um, to find dirt in someone, because we're made of dirt. It doesn't take a very highly spiritual person to find dirt, because we're made of dirt. It does take a, uh, a, a level of wisdom and honor to find gold in earthen vessels, to find that treasure. It doesn't mean we're saying that your behavior doesn't have an effect. And look, I'm not saying be critical of behavior. In other words, hey, this person sinned, that's sin. But I, I'm not a fan, as you guys know, I'm not a fan of blast. I don't think we should be blasting it out to the world. I don't think that's honoring. I think we, if, if I don't have a relationship with someone, that I know I, I have I have a biblical way of doing things. And that is, I will go to that person if I do know them. If I don't know them, then I just keep my mouth shut. Because I think that's the right way to do it. Okay? So, um, I just want to talk about that. I didn't want to go real long, because, you know, I don't try to go super long on the podcast. But it's, it's really important that you, in this season, come back to Christ. And now let's say that you are already there. You haven't fallen off or anything. What do you need to do? Just more. Literally. If you're praying a half an hour, pray an hour. Give God the extra. Give God the excellence. Do what you're doing with excellence. For me, it was air traffic control. For me, it was ushering. As an usher, I wanted to be. In other words, here's what I did as an usher. We had to wear gray pants, blue jacket, white shirt, and a red or blue tie or something like that. I forget. And you know what? My stuff went to the dry cleaners every week. I could have washed my pants. I could. I went to the dry cleaners. I had them pressed. I, I came in. I had a couple shirts so, and a couple of great pair of pants. So that they were just like remarkable. You know what I mean? I wanted to look good when I was out there. My shoes were shined. You know what I did? I, I uh, always made sure the pastor had water. I... I was kind and smiling to everyone who came through the door. I was, uh, I prayed for people. I was just, you know, because I was, my attitude, I was representing my pastor and my church family and that they deserved me to represent them well. And, and by the way, you know, when Rodney came in town, when Rodney built this church down in Tampa, there was pictures all over the wall of revivals. And I was in several of them because I was next to Rodney in Jacksonville when he did that. And, you know, I, I to this day, I still have people go, oh, I remember you ushering at New Life. You always had a smile on your face. You were always happy. 
And that, that's important to me. And, and so whether it was ushering, whether it's when I traveled with Randy or I travel with somebody, you know, I, I make sure I'm representing them on that mission trip. You know, I, 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 I want to make sure that I'm representing them well. Okay, it's 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 excellence when it, it's, um, um, you know, when I worked for Randy and did this school, Randy would have like this format of school, uh, 45 minutes for worship. He had this format and and he would tell me when he wasn't there and I was running the school, he'd go, uh, he would start out with like, this is what I want you to teach on. I want you then I want, I want you to do the offer. I want you to worship one, do the offering. I want you to do the teaching. This is what I want you to teach on. And one of the reasons why I excelled in the school and in with Randy is, you know what? I did exactly what Randy wanted. Now, people don't like that. People, well, I'm a man and I can do what I want. No, no, I'm serving Randy. It was his ministry. People go, why do you do it that way? I don't like that way. And I go, that has nothing to do with it. They go, what do you mean it has nothing to do with it? I said, I'm doing what the one I'm serving wants. That's the key to serving. I'm serving his ministry. I'm, I'm handling his ministry. I don't necessarily have to do that in my ministry. But I think sometimes people don't think in the level of excellence that you're actually, the opportunity to speak or do anything is not your right. It's a benevolence. It's a grace. It's a gift. And you need to treat it with such excellence and treat it with such purpose. And if you don't do that, that's going to cost you down the road with God. And so it's being a good steward to everything that God's given me when it comes to the ministry, to my family, to, to everything. And it's really important that we do that. Really, really important that we do that. And it's important that you do that too. And then you start, that's how you start beginning to get back to uh, the worshiping properly to God and the reading of the word and holding that word in absolute reverence as truth. And then honoring. And why is honoring? Because You'll see here that the, here's one of the keys to chapter 22 is he sends the priest and all them to the prophetess to inquire of the Lord. You know that was honor? He's honoring. He goes, I recognize you're a prophet. I recognize that you hear from God. I am honoring you. I'm sending my people to you to inquire for me. Remember Jesus says, him who receives me receives the one who sent me. Him who receives you receives me. That's the thing that we don't understand. When we don't hold ministers, especially ministers, in reverence. And we just think they're just like us and they're all sinners and you know blah, 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 that we do. And we don't hold them in high reverence. We actually are in error. And we don't want to be in that. Okay? And this culture, this cancel culture is doing everything to cancel honor out. They, they lie about the president. They they lie about everybody, you know, and it's really, and you know, the president could learn a little bit more, to be honest with you. I, I, I know what he's doing. I, he's just fighting back because it's him against the world almost. And, you know, when you have 95% of the media against you and they're just always, always, always lying about you, there's a point where, you know, Jesus called the, called the Pharisees uh, the children of the devil, you know, and and uh, so you know, Jesus wasn't always really nice. And so Donald Trump isn't always really nice. And people go, that's not presidential. I go, well, you get in that fight. You get in that fight and see what it's like. 
he is in a battle every single day. And not making excuses for him, I just I just have a little sympathy understanding that battle. I, I went through it a little bit with, you know, in 2019, um, and it's it's a it's tremendous what people will do. It's horrific. So I hope that helps you today. That you remember these things. Go back to rebuild to read this chapter because it's phenomenal. Um, uh, you read how you know Manasseh in chapter 20 was uh, was one of the most wicked, wicked kings ever, and um, he built all the he built altars to the host of heaven, to principalities and powers and. And um, uh, he actually says he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the courts of the, of the Lord's house. He actually brought in altars into there to worship them in the holy place and stuff. Think about that for a second. It's just, it's just stunning. Um, <clears throat> so I, I really, really think that this would do you really good to read it. It's, it's an amazing, amazing uh, thing, but... That's what I want to talk to you today about. I hope that helps you. I hope that ministers to you. And I hope it uh, brings you a level of peace and comfort. Amen. God bless you. And don't forget to like uh, and subscribe. Share the podcast. It is on many different platforms. About seven or eight of them now. So just try whatever platform you're on. Go for Voice for Restoration Podcast. And see if that comes on your podcast platform. God bless you guys. And you have a fantastic week. God bless.